Hello, everybody. Welcome to our percentile vice. It's Tuesday, so we're doing actual play and we're continuing our backwater adventure. I'm Steve, and we're Rick, that's Emily, that's John, and once again, we are joined by the creators of the Backwater TTRPG, Asa and Alex. Asa, you are the boss tonight, so over to you. Take this thing away. Do with us what you will. Well, first things first, we are unofficially sponsored by Birdie's Nest. Yeah. People want to show it off. Uh, you got your bracelets with you. Yeah. I have my bookmark. Birdie's Nest. Awesome. Yeah, I got mine. My favorite keychains. So the one, the keychain you just showed, that was actually from the uh, Crossroads Games playthrough. Yeah. And what's, it's Jack's Lantern, I think. Yeah. Lantern. That one is really cool. Yeah, I like this one a lot. I get a lot of compliments on this one. So check them out on Twitter, um, Birdie's Nest. Yeah, so you join us for Backwater. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's a Southern Gothic Horror tabletop role-playing game that Alex and myself created and funded last year uh, in 2021, or I think. Uh, it's the first of what we hope to be many role-playing games based on regional American Gothic horror tropes. Uh, these games are set in a post-apocalyptic America, post America known as the American Lands, and Backwater, in particular, is set in New Orleans, like tonight's game. Uh, players take on the roles of wardens, who are the official peacekeepers in the American lands with a really broad jurisdiction. So this is the second episode for our adventure known as All Kings. Uh, we've got some great characters here. Here we got Gail Powers, played by John, who's a street smart warden with a criminal past and knows a good smoked sausage when he sees it. Um, <laughs> we got uh, Swifty played by Alex, who's a rule following lover of all things paperwork. He never brings a knife to a gunfight unless it's in the manual. And uh, <laughs> Annabelle played by Emily, the only useful warden in polite society, which we figured out pretty quickly. <laughs> in the game. Uh, even her wolfhound bones is well behaved. And then we got, is it WG Fontenot? Uh, played by Rick, who is brainy with a side of goofball, uh, hold the manners apparently, and the same goes for his mutt, Pogo. So uh, as a manner of recap, Swifty, I know that you were taking case notes in your little pocketbook. Tell me what you've got uh, for your paperwork. Uh, what was the nature of the complaint uh, from our first episode? Uh, so I just want to remind you that this is form 14.B underscore one which is for use in all non-direct uh, non warden investigations, meaning that the complainant and the uh, officer who asked us to in uh, investigate this are not a member of the wardens themselves. So the nature of the complaint is that a prominent local citizen, Mr. Hamilton King of the Providence Trading Company, uh, a very important and powerful corporation from the Heartlands, uh, said that someone has been following him. And so uh, he is worried that they are out to do him harm. And so we have been asked by his friend, uh, Counselor Rose, to look into the matter and make sure that he is safe. And what's that severity of the complaint? What did you rate it in your pocketbook? <clears throat> well, the severity of the complaint initially was low. I would have rated it a three. Uh, because people following around rich people is not actually against the law. 
Um, but we did find out that two of his servants were murdered, which ratcheted this up to a six, in my opinion. And then we found out that possibly the suspect who committed these crimes may have magical abilities, which bumps us up to a neat 8.5. And uh, who was the claimant for uh, who's the one making this complaint here? What's his name? Oh, that was Hamilton King. And do you have any leads so far? Uh, well, Mr. King seems to have a very unlikely romantic relationship with a local uh, prima donna of the theater, which Swifty has never been to, but thinks it's very glamorous. And so uh, we think that perhaps there's some jealousy there, a jealous rival. Um, the only other suspects that I can think of is... Uh, angered executives from the home or office depots, which are no, sorry, just the bus depot, <laughs> uh, which is being converted into the Providence Trading Company's latest headquarters in New Orleans. And so possibly there's some land dispute or something going on there. Any other sort of evidence that Swifty noted down? Uh, well, at first, Gail produced a sock. <laughs> which Swifty thought was not important, but in fact, the sock had a bloody screwdriver in it, which could have been, or which was branded as from the Providence Trading Company. So we thought perhaps something related to the building site. Um, Swifty cannot remember any other evidence except for, oh, there was a bent shotgun. Hmm. A shotgun whose barrel had been bent in an unlikely angle. And any additional notes in your little notebook? Uh, yes, I have asked, or I'm going to have to ask that uh, several requisition forms be uh, approved by our superiors, including one for a sausage requisition uh, and one for a sock requisition. Uh, and I'm also recommending that Warden Fontenot be enrolled in remedial courses on witness uh, handling <laughs> due to an unfortunate instance with a crying maid. I think they call it sensitivity training. <laughs> well, that's a different part of it. Uh, you know, it, there, there's the broad umbrella of sensitivity training, but there is a particular course that Swifty has attended at least three times about witness handling and making sure that, you know, you don't make them cry. Want now. Um, just in the utmost transparency, I believe maybe I have to fill that form out twice because I brought the poor lady to tears on more than one occasion. <laughs> That's right. It's been noted. Uh, you know, it's not a reprimand, but I, I'm just suggesting for your benefit and ours and the general public's <laughs> that you enroll in the course. It's very fun. The instructor is very nice. There's a lot of role play. I like it. Well, uh, I will certainly look into that. <laughs> well, we left off our adventure at the uh, as you're all approaching the Temple of Abraham, which is where they stored the the bodies of the two dead servants for Mr. Hamilton King. And you sort of got up to the temple. Night is beginning to fall, but you knew that it's open 24 um, seven. And it's this big boxy building um, and there's a series of wide concrete steps leading up to it and a wide uh, wooden double door. And we ended last session as that door opened and in front of you stands um, a man wearing a long tunic with a beaded shawl around his shoulders, sort of 
tufted uh, hat on his uh, on his head and is standing beside a donation pot. And he opens the door and he says, Wardens, I've been waiting for you. <clears throat> oh, well, thank you very kindly. We're here to uh, view the bodies uh, referring to Mr. King's estate, if you don't mind. And he holds the door and he gestures for you all to enter. And uh, uh, he takes off, uh, well, he put on some shoes, I guess, to come out. He takes off his shoes and gestures for you to do the same. Um, certainly. Yep, Swifty is happy to deboot, and while he, once he's done with that, he's going to take the sausage out of his pouch and cut, like, a coin-shaped size and put that in the donation pot. <laughs> I will also unchew. Uh, Fontenot is going to drag his feet a little bit on the, the de-shodding, um, and... Turning his back to his uh, party, he will um, take a clandestine moment to pull his big toe out of the hole it is poking through uh, and then attempt to like pull the sock down, fold it over, and tuck it in between two toes so that his foot is not being shown as poking through. Um, because... Uh, Yes, this is quite an embarrassing moment for, for Fano, who is in need of <clears throat> some better darn socks. He said darn socks. Put <laughs> <laughs> on the, uh, the man uh, picks the little piece of sausage out of that donation pot and feeds it to your dogs, whom he also welcomes uh, inside the temple. Cute. Oh, Pogo, I, this is a change. They're going to let you in this time. Now, you be a good boy. <clears throat> you stick with the bones there. Yeah, gestures you towards the back of the temple. He sort of just takes you all the way through it. And um, there's a this large set of stair, or stairs that heads down into the basement. And uh, it's sort of several levels deep. And it's really damp and cold down there. And the deeper that you go, the colder and darker that it gets. And um, the man uh, lights a little candle uh, to lead the way and takes you to the deepest level where there are two bodies sitting atop large slate tables uh, beneath paper-thin sheets. And uh, before you all can go up to the bodies, he walks to the head of the of these tables and lights this uh, candelabra and whispers some prayers in, in the old speech. <clears throat> when he's done, I'll say, um, we, we appreciate your service and your kind words in these moments. Um, would it be okay for us to begin our examination? Uh, he gestures at the table and says, after you. So I'm going to go up to the first table and kind of just turn back to my party and kind of give them that look of, um, you know, buckle up, buttercup, and I'm going to pull back the sheets on the first body. Yeah, you pull back the sheet on the first body and there's uh, a man on the table who's just extremely pale, um, looks to be sort of a middle-aged man. Uh, his eyes are wide open. And he has this uh, puncture wound on his neck. Okay. 
Um, judging by what I can see, um, could I make like a nurse physical role to see if I can identify that it would most likely was that screwdriver or something of a similar caliber? Yeah. So plus four to this roll. That is the weirdest cock dive I've ever seen in my life. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know how I managed or to do that. Or there's someone who wants to re-roll. <laughs> yeah, John, like, no, because I re-rolled and got a three, which gives me a total of seven, so no. <laughs> it had a straight line straight it, up. It was literally it was... straight up, like, with one of the corners. It was the weirdest. I don't know if there's, like, a dent in my... I don't feel one. I don't feel one either. It's weird. But I got a seven, so. <laughs> yeah, you, you look at the neck, and you think something was poked through it, punctured it, but... Yeah, you aren't quite sure what it was. Okay. Well, could I join her at Saturday and maybe using something like an assess or deduce skill? Um, yeah. Try to make the same determination. You know, I I was under the mistaken impression back at uh, at Mr. King's house that that both throats had been slit but obviously there is a puncture wound so that screwdriver is a potential murder weapon let me just examine this real quick so asa which would you like me to do an assess or deduce give me that assess roll wow that dice is cocked man don't even <laughs> that would be a nine <clears throat> I'm better than you. Yeah, you know, I'm just. <laughs> do, do you have the screwdriver on you? Does one of you have a screwdriver with you? Yes. One of us brought it. I don't think I gave it away. So no, you still have it in a sock. It's still in my sock. <laughs> so Fontenot, you look at it and you aren't quite sure, but then Gail over here pulls out the screwdriver and. Uh, hey, hey! Check this out. <laughs> and Gail just sticks the screwdriver <laughs> through the puncture wounds <laughs> on the table. Just, yeah, it fits. <laughs> and it fits like a glove. <clears throat> We've got a glass <clears throat> slipper moment here. I'd imagine that maybe just the puncture may have hit the jugular and caused a, a profuse uh, <clears throat> spray of blood that may have been perceived as a slashing of a throat. It may have just been dark and difficult to tell. Um, we'll have to check the other body as well to see if it also lines up with this <clears throat> sort of uh, injury. Um, do we see any other marks on the bodies? Um, well, this is just the one they've seen or so far, but there doesn't yeah. seem to be any markers on this one. I'd like to smell his hand or her. Him. I forget. It was a him. man, middle-aged man. Pale. I'd like to smell his hand and see if I smell any gunpowder. Or sausage. Yeah, I thought you were just uh, being weird. That's pretty <laughs> good. <laughs> I thought you just gone off on a weird little angle. <laughs> he is being weird, but <laughs> it is good. But yeah, you don't smell any gunpowder on, on his hands. Um, what about on his toes? <laughs> now we're there. To. Yeah, we've gone to now we're there. Um, Strangely, yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what is this uh, into? Swifty would like to talk to the the priest. Um, at the very least, I need to get him to fill out the forms that allow us to, uh, you know, examine and then take the bodies. Um, but I also want to know if, like, anyone talked to him when they brought the bodies in, if they told him anything, if he has noticed anything uh, while he's 
been like are the has he just like put a cloth over these bodies or has he been performing burial rites already i'm i'm curious hmm. uh he says uh that he was there to preserve the bodies primarily but i i will admit um i did notice something which strikes me as very strange and and you're a man who i mean you see bodies like you know, this, I see is not, bodies. this is not your first body rodeo. So uh, yeah, yes. please, please let us know. I've never been to a body <laughs> rodeo, but <laughs> I haven't either. That was just a bad turn of phrase. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I see dead people. <laughs> this ain't my first body rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he walks over to the body that you've sort of removed the sheet from and he takes his hands and he says, let me just show you. And he goes to close the eyes and the eyes like pop back open. And he said, uh, you know, usually we're able to keep the eyes closed, but this is just a little too weird for me. I'm going to look over at the doctor and be like, is this, is this anything you've seen before? Is this something I've seen before? Uh, we'll say that it's unusual. Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, I can't say that I've seen anything quite so um, disturbing, honestly. I, I'm trying to think if there's any conditions or any sort of um, commonalities that may cause such a uh, an affliction of a body but nothing is coming to mind let's look at the uh the other um victim here and see if you know my friend elaine used to tell me that uh folk used to put coins on the eyelids of dead bodies presumably to pay the ferryman as they crossed over but he suspected it was just to keep the eyes from popping open in the middle of a funeral and scaring everybody Hmm. So I don't know Swifty. if that would play here, but maybe we could cut a couple sausage coins. <laughs> yeah, Swifty is already cutting those sausages. Ready no, to go. Swifty. Hey, now, don't waste it. Okay, Swifty had cut two, but he'll give Gail a slice and eat one himself. I'm going to move over to the other body and uh, remove the sheet from it as well. And when you remove the sheet from this one, um, this is a, a younger man uh, who is also extremely pale and whose eyes are also wide open and strangely discolored even. Um, and he also has a puncture wound in his neck, not you know in the same exact spot or anything, but the same type of puncture wound. And the only thing that's different here is that he has all these bruises on his arms and each of those bruises are accompanied by some scratches or uh, cuts in the skin. Okay. I'm going to get up a little bit closer to the bruises and scratches and try to think back to the markings we saw on the shotgun. And since I have a few points in survive, I'm probably used to looking at dead animals to try to figure out what killed them and if the predator is possibly still around. And I'm going to use that sort of skill set to try to figure out if the shotgun marks and the marks on this guy look similar. Yeah. This ain't your first body rodeo. <laughs> it's not my first nope. body rodeo. <laughs> 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 
I'm already writing a body rodeo adventure in my head. Don't it worry writes about itself. It. Oh, I was writing Murder the country at a body song. rodeo. Was it just one of the bodies? <laughs> Playthrough takes eight seconds. <laughs> well, if you, you can last that long. <laughs> oh, goodness. What did Gail get here on that survival? Oh, I didn't hear you say to roll. He was too busy talking about body rodeos. Oh. Natural 20 plus... Oh, damn. Two. You look at it and you just know right away. This is like somebody's handprints that have caused these bruises. And even when you're looking at it, you can tell the, the you know, some of them are on the arms and that the arms even look funky. And you'd guess that the bones underneath might even have been crushed. And those little cuts that you see next to the bruises, it's like it had claws or something um sharp fingernails maybe but definitely definitely human hands hey y'all look at this these bruises look like they were made by human hands but whatever it was it had some kind of claws or something dug in and made these scratches these scratches don't look like fingernails to me they look like claws well that is awfully strange is um, there a scent of gunpowder on this one? I'd like to sniff his hands. <laughs> Just gonna smell people's hands. It doesn't the matter. Body he, he can make that sound weird, no matter how legit of an action it is. You can't always <laughs> smell gunpowder to me because you can taste it though. Just lick the hand. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. <laughs> I like dead people. Bye, Rick. Bye. Bye. Have a good night. Thank you for joining. It's just gonna um, get weirder from here. <laughs> Gail, you get up close to those hands and that's gunpowder. Yeah, he's definitely been firing a weapon of some kind. So then we can surmise that this was the gentleman that held the shotgun and it appears whatever mauled the shotgun mauled his arms as well. It's probably pissed off about that being would, shot at. That would make the other gentleman the chauffeur. I believe so, yes. I think you were right that the puncture wounds just created so much blood that, that to poor uh, Miss Levine, Crying, uh, it appeared to be a slash yes. effect rather than a puncture effect. I believe so. But, and we know her memory was a little addled anyway, it sounds either through the shock of it or more supernatural means. So, Or simply it's just a mix of terminology. Um, where she may have meant puncture, use the word slash. It's, it's quite common, really. Um, Those are two different damage types. That's true. That's true. Um, but she's not trained quite as well as you are, Mr. Swifty. Um, I would like to look at the eyes of the... Young man that we're looking at now. I want to look closely at the eyeballs. The peepers. Yeah. Uh, give me some type of role. Either an assess role or that nurse physical role. Whichever you want to do. I'm going to try the nurse physical again. With my plus four on it. Let's hope my dice doesn't defy the law of physics again. Okay. 13 plus four. So 17. Yeah. You look and something is really weird is going on with these eyes. Like I said, uh, they're discolored. Um, 
they sort of have this weird like bluish tint and then you look at the pupils and the pupils are huge they're so oh, wide they're overtaking the iris and um <clears throat> yeah you peek back over at the other body and you notice that the eyes on on that body you know both of them are wide open they don't close and you notice that those ones also have some peculiarities along the same lines okay and with these two bodies um this, I don't even I don't know how to ask this because I myself am not a medical person. Do they look as would I surmise that they have the same amount of like fluid content of a standard dead body? Does that make sense? Do they look yeah. like drawn have they been out? exsanguinated or something? Right. <laughs> Do they look like they're dried out or they're like uh drained of fluids? Necro raisins. Yes. <laughs> body raisins. <laughs> <laughs> at the body Same rodeo the body <laughs> uh you uh you it doesn't look like oh, i guess yeah it does look like they you know might have bled out a bit but you might surmise that's from the the puncture wounds but not um, not abnormal for what injuries i'm seeing so yeah exactly okay. i got you but, but uh with when you're looking at those eyes so you have no clue what's going on with those eyes no medical reason as far as you're aware Gentlemen, there's something going on with these eyes, and I simply cannot uh, put my finger on it. I'd rather not at this point. Um, they seem to have some sort of weird bluish tint, and the pupils are, are damn near blown out. Did you look deep into the eyes? Because my friend Elaine also used to say that people used to believe that the eyes kind of took an image of the very last thing they saw. Maybe if you look in there, burnt in there, would be a picture of, well, our assailant. I highly doubt that, uh, Mr. Fontenot. You're welcome to, to take a look for some kind of after image, but those are simply just old fairy tales. They are, but uh, I'm looking at stuff that is not easily explained away anyway, so I thought maybe I'd widen the aperture on what was possible here. So I'll do it then, and I'm going to look deep into the eyes. Deep. What does it look like in there? Uh, give me a luck roll, Fontenot. Uh, so what's your luck value? It is odd. I think we're all, all right. odd. Yeah, but he was talking about luck. <laughs> yeah, John. So that's something different. <laughs> it was even, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you look uh, deep into those eyes and you see this reflection of a man, maybe once handsome, uh, but, you know, five o'clock shadow coming in. Um, a little bit of... Smoke sausage on his face. <laughs> Fontenot, are you the murderer? <laughs> I, I guess so. I might just be. Look in there. You will see my face. <laughs> then you recognize it's your reflection. Gotcha. Tries yeah. to wipe the sausage off. <laughs> you, you, were, you were right, ma'am. Just old folk tales, but... It was worth a look. Oh, I, I do not disagree with you, Shug. Um, to the to the the priest man. Um, so, how long will you be uh, holding the bodies here? As long as as you uh, need us to. But even down here, where you know we can preserve them a bit, they will start to get a little stinky. Uh, little bloated. Certainly, I do understand. We will uh, 
operate with the most haste possible, but if you would mind, or wouldn't mind, please do uh, hold them for us, and we will return and let you know when we are finished with our investigation, Shug. should probably keep that uh, just a couple hours, more or less. Get out. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. Yeah. So he um, nods and then begins to lead you up the stairs. Like, oh, so, no. so, Asa. Lower question, lower dumb. What? How much would we know about a uh, temple of of Abraham? Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, you, go ahead. Yeah, you know some basic things, but um, yeah, this is like a. a a different religion, but based off of like an amalgamation of the Abrahamic religions of Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Um, yeah, you'd know that this man is sort of like a priest. He's called a master um, in particular. Um, yeah, uh, unless one of you is Abramistas or some of the general things that you would know, but they're they're a big part of their communities and stuff here. Okay. And are there other large um, religions or, you know, is this like the predominant uh, religion or are there competing ones? What's the world like in that regard? Yeah, there's plenty of of religions, all of the sort of classic religions and also some unusual ones like among the elite, there's like the, the founders cult. They worship the founding fathers and mothers of, uh, of America and um, yeah, have a lot of weird beliefs along those lines uh, that the founding fathers were like prophets. But uh, most of them are like the standard religions um, uh, and non-Western as well uh, in the city that still exists today. Thank you. Cool. Swifty was raised in an adjacent founders household. Like they weren't super religious, but he did like hearing the stories about Ronald Reagan McDonald. Oh. And his golden arches breaking down oh, walls. You're just like Fourth of July, Labor Day. Founder. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. It. You know, we'd go on the big holidays. We'd That's vote in the elections, but you know. Yeah, other than that, yeah. No. When you curse, you say Nixon, Lord of Night, all that. <laughs> Lincoln's beard. <laughs> beard. You do not take his name in vain. Not in this house. Or his beard. <laughs> do not take his beard in vain. Oh, goodness. All right. So um, I guess we'll head back out with the master. Yeah. Man. And the master brings you out to the front and opens the door for you and gestures at the donation pot on the way out. And he says, uh, it's been uh, great to have you here. I hope I've been of service. Oh, well, And before certainly. anybody can pull out any sausages, I'm going to put a coin into the donation pot. Oh, <laughs> okay. And you get an adrenaline point for that. Damn it! I was I was this I almost got there before you. <laughs> and he 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 like gives you a short blessing, font no, and he says the uh, uh, temple thanks you. Well, thank you, master. All right, so we'll head out front. So, gentlemen, where would you like to head to next? Uh, my area of expertise is really in the medical field, and we haven't turned up much here. But we might if we were to go uh, investigate in another location. Well, I ain't really much of a decider, but wherever we decide to go, I can get there fast. (laughs) Swifty has been on a number of... Swifty's been on a number of weird investigations before, and he has found that the most helpful place is the library. 
And so he will pull out his handmade library card and say, to the library? Who could have seen that coming? No one. No one. Are, are you allowed to bring guests in on that card? Um, yeah, everyone's welcome at the library. Oh, oh excellent. Uh, I've never been to one, and I'm looking forward to it, but uh, it's uh, up there in the, the Lake District, isn't it? It's- it is in the Lake District, and when we go there, they are kind of weird about this, but we're going to have to turn over our weapons. Mm. They don't like, apparently rich people don't like having a bunch of armed people around them. I don't know why. Well, I'm feeling a little uh, self-conscious, by the way. I was quick to put on my boots before we left. The rest of these guys are still walking around in their stocking feet. But uh, um, because my makeshift uh, toe patch, toe patch <laughs> was failing by the time we were coming back up the stairs. So, um yeah. I, I started dusting off my jacket. Just there are evidence of a couple of hard days worth of work or journey on, on my personage. And I'm, so I'm dusting off my pants, my, trying to look presentable for the more for the richer parts of town. And while I do that, I would like to kind of make sure that my... Um, my harness is closely and well secured to my body. That is my underarm harness for my 22. Thinking that maybe I might be able to slip by without giving up my gun if I've got it well positioned. Very cool. Yeah, so what you can do with that yeah. is you can make a hide roll and see if you can conceal it and you get a bonus for it with that underarm harness. Okay. Would I make that now or when we get to, uh, well, it's, it depends on when you want to hide it. Do you want to wait until you get there to hide it? Yeah. When we're getting close. Look over there. Right. So I didn't know, I guess what I was asking was in any way a contested role that the uh, the people who might see it would contest my hide roll. So in which case we'd have to wait till we got closer. I would guess. Gotcha. Yeah. No, uh, it's not a contested. So one of the cool. cool things about this game system is people have passive scores for four things in particular. Their vigilance is just like their awareness. Um, so unless they're like going to search you or something, it, you don't have to. It's not contested. So you just make a roll against that score. They also have like build. So um, they have, so build is like strength. So you don't have to do those contested strength rolls, reflex um, uh, if you're attacking someone. Um, And the final one is intuition. Like if you're lying to them or trying to deceive them. So just reduces the number of rolls. Gotcha. So if I was to make that hide roll now, then I would use my hide skill and whatever I've got there, the, Harness gives me plus one to a hide roll. Um, I also, let me double check this. Nope. So I am unskilled in hide, so that's minus one. And then I would get plus one for my wisdom modifier and plus one for having the underarm harness. 
So I would yeah. be a roll at plus two to see if I can successfully hide this thing. That was a seven. All right. I'm going to roll to hide my brass you knuckles. You're going to hide your brass knuckles? Yeah. Yes. Can you describe those brass knuckles for the people out there? Because that's one of my favorite. Well, they're, <laughs> they are bronze and they're pretty scratched up and pretty dented. You can tell automatically, like as soon as you set eyes on them, they've been used quite a bit. And across the knuckle portion backwards, it says the word stupid, but instead of the U, it has two O's. Stupid. And backwards. Stupid. So when you punch somebody, it leaves the correct facing impression of the word stupid on there. That, mm -hmm. That's brilliant, dude. That My roll. Absurd. I get plus one hide from the conceal. And then I have a plus one, so that's a seven, plus two is a nine. Okay. There's some stealthy sons of bitches here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so you all uh, walk up to the Lake District, so you leave the French Quarter, um, head, head north, and uh, right away, you know, it's the Lake District. It's this walled-in area, and beyond it, you can see the, the lake in the distance. Um, there are a couple of different gates that you could go through, but you walk up to the nearest one and there is a guard there who asks you all to hand over your uh, weapons. I'm going to say, hello, Felicity, and I'm going to give her my my longbow, and I'm going to give her my quiver of arrows, and I'm going to give her my bowie knife, I'm going to give her my other knife. And it's just this whole process of like unbuttoning, and we're just chatting because she knows Swifty. Like, oh, you're here, here for the library again? Of course. What you gonna look at this time, Swifty? I don't know. Do you know anything about dead people with super blue eyes? Um, <laughs> I can't say I do. I'm sorry, Swifty. Um, I hope you have better luck than that Home Depot research trip you went on. <laughs> it was a disappointing. It was disappointing. I'm not gonna lie. So I'm gonna reach the family. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand oh, over no, 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 my I'm hunting saying, knife. I was saying goodbye. Love to your family as well. What were you saying, sir? Uh, <laughs> I'm, here's my hunting knife, uh, ma'am, guard, your honor. Um, I'm not sure what the right address is, but uh, well, here you this go. This is Felicity. Oh, ma'am. Uh, Warden, I do have to say there's something lumping out of your breast pocket are you sure you aren't forgetting anything oh I, my, don't mind if you know it with these under the the shoulder harness here it is so comfortable you forget you're even wearing it and so i will bring my 22 out i will open up uh, whether it's i'm not sure if it's a revolver or um not but i will uh empty the uh cartridges out of it safe and make it safe and, and hand it over to her. Thank you. <clears throat> and then uh, she gestures to Annabelle next. Uh, uh, ma'am, do you have a uh, warden oh, ma'am? Uh, do you have anything? Certainly, certainly. So I'm going to put down a Bowie knife and a bandolier of bullets and a model 1892, whatever kind of gun that is. Cause Emily doesn't know. And uh, just very politely smile. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. <laughs> 
So Felicity's got like all these weapons in her hand at this point in time. And, uh, and it says, uh, and, uh, and you, sir, uh, do you have anything as well? Well, that, that's a really interesting question because I do have this screwdriver here and I'm going to reach in my pocket and pull out the sock and pull out the screwdriver. And I'm going to say, it's not technically a weapon per se, unless depending on how you use it, apparently somebody has used it as a weapon, which is why I have it because it's a piece of evidence we have in this murder investigation, but considering it has been used as a weapon, I will just let you have it. And since your hands are full, why don't you open your mouth and I'll just stick it in there and you can hold it. <laughs> you can, uh, I don't think that screwdrivers are <laughs> against policy here. You can hold the, hold on to that. Oh, okay. Okay. And I'll put it back in the sock and put it back in my pocket. And, uh, why don't you make me a luck roll? Um, just because that's pretty distracting, <laughs> I'll say. I have to remind you that I have the unlucky, unfavorable trait. Oh, yeah. Well, it's even, and I have odd luck, so you don't have to use uh, it this time. So uh, for those of you out there, he has an unlucky trait, which is something you can take during character creation to get an extra skill point um, to increase your skill proficiencies. And it basically means that I can choose um, for him to fail a luck roll at any point in time. Um, but uh, unlucky for Gale here, uh, he failed the luck roll anyway. So uh, she does say, oh, before you go, I think you might be forgetting something too. There are some brass knuckles uh, sticking out of your uh, back pocket. Um, I oh. hope you weren't trying those oh no no of course not i i just totally forgot i i, I yeah uh hold on one second one second all right open up your mouth oh. <laughs> <clears throat> and she waves you or attempts to wave mm. goodbye but lets you all go through uh, so you uh, start walking to the Lake District, and all the houses here are extremely fancy. It's sort of higher elevation and looks over uh, looks over the lake. Um, and the library itself is this really beautiful, fantastic building with like this gold dome on top and this eagle on top of the dome, uh, dec decorative eagle, not a real one. And yeah, the although it's late, the library is open. 24-7, uh, the uh, front doors are open and inside you see uh, um, it's sort of uh, the lobby is candlelit and there is an elderly woman sitting behind the front desk and uh, she's got some uh, spectacles on, uh, appears to be have a cast or a brace on uh, one of her forearms and as you all walk up she sort of squints and she says, oh Swifty, is that you? Hello. I forget what her name is. Uh, it's Fl It's me, Flannery Swift. Oh, right. Miss Flannery. Hello. Uh, How are things? Oh, good. Uh, I see you brought friends today. I'm glad work you're colleagues. making friends. Oh, colleagues? <laughs> Sorry. Not friends yet, but working on it. Okay. Uh, okay. This is Mr. Fontenot and Miss, Mr. Gale and Dr. Annabelle. Well, it's so great of you uh, to come. Are you just going to head on into the stacks or uh, do you all need me to, to help you here? I'm happy to uh, do any research for you if you'd like. You know, she points at a sign. She says, if you want, I'm on duty to do research. Just five coin per, per hour research here. Um, 
but you're welcome in the stacks yourself. Uh, well, Dr. Annabelle, would, would you care to describe to Flannery what we saw and to see if she has any ideas about where, <clears throat> where we might look? Oh, certainly. Uh, so we happened upon uh, some victims of a, of a rather gruesome murder who seemed to have a condition of the eyes, both of them. Eyes are affixed open with a bluish hue. The pupils have dilated to a point of um, unnatural largeness. Um, and we're just looking for some information on what might cause such a phenomena. Well, I would, uh, if it were me looking, I would go to the... Uh... Uh, the religion and uh, mythology section um, of the stacks here. Um, it would you, would you like me to do that, or are you interested yourselves? Oh, certainly. And I'm going to pull out five coin and hand it to her. Um, I, I I'd be more than happy to pay you to do that. I assure you, do a lovely job. Swifty here speaks very highly of you. She is the best, and I don't mean that because she's the only one. <laughs> best and uh, only, my favorite kind of people. If. If we are hiring Flannery, Swifty is going to make use of his friend of the library privileges and head into Flannery's kitchen and start cooking up this sausage and food so that everyone, including Flannery, has a little snack when when all of the research is done. Precious. Yeah, I'll pay her her five. Five coin. Alrighty, uh, what all do you want to do while you're waiting? She sort of lights this shielded candle, you know, that can be dangerous in the stacks here, and she sort of disappears into another room. Um, what would you all like to do? Swifty, I've never been to this library. Do they keep any sort of records of um, the comings and goings of certain businesses or prominent families, certain things like that? Like, we might be able to look into Mr. King's uh, business or his family's whereabouts prior to this? Uh, there would probably be local family histories, but if we want actual like business records, then we have to go to the town hall, oh, uh, to, the, to the records office. Would perhaps uh, this library have any old maps of where he's buying up different lands and things like that, that we might get a good bird's eye view of the different properties that he's holding? I'm going to assume yes, Aso. Yes. Yeah, there'd also be some in the city records or city archives as well. But um, yeah, we, we can definitely um, find some maps for you here as well. Um, and you can just communicate that to Flannery while she's looking. Anything else you all want to do while you're waiting for? Well, never having been to the library, I'm wondering, is there any sign that points out... Uh, this is the supernatural monsters section. Um, we we've got uh, Flannery looking for something in the religion section based on the the way that the face and the eyes looked. But I'm thinking we got a creature that looks like a human, has superhuman strength, claws probably maybe either exceedingly fast or has the ability to disappear. And with those kinds of clues, maybe I could flip through some books and see, is there some creature known that uh, has those properties? Yeah. Go ahead and make me a research role. You can join Flannery in the stacks.
This place sure is confusing. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, that is a seven. Okay. Um, yeah, so you, uh, go into those stacks and you're sort of looking around and yeah, you definitely get turned around. Um, you, uh, you end up in like the music section and probably not here. And, uh, Uh, I was, how did I, this uh, cataloging system is a bit of a mystery to me. Let me see if I can, I'm just going to go hang on the coattails of Miss Flannery for a minute. The first time Swifty was in the library, he was literally lost for five hours. They had to send a small search party for him. And, and now, this look is why at you. He pays. <laughs> now you have kitchen privileges. Well, it's because I spend a lot of the warden's money on research. <laughs> Open checkbook. And do they have newspapers um, here? Like most libraries have newspapers, but I'm not sure for like the setting if newspapers have continued into the post apocalypse. Uh, yeah, they do have newspapers uh, in the in this setting as well, and uh, yeah, most of those are located in the city archives. But the library definitely has some as well. If you want to take a peek through them, I'll take a peek through them, looking for weird murders. Research role. That's a research. Yep. <laughs> That's a seven, but <laughs> I think I found um, the uh, magazines with the tribal people that are doing fun things and got distracted. Like, man, I wish I was out hunting and fishing right now. Oh, that's not what I thought. Okay, I'm with I was, that. I was worried about him too. <laughs> <laughs> Thought we found like some old We're National Geographic. <laughs> yeah, he's just looking at topples women. Yeah, every one of us, our heartbeat went up about ten. Please, please, uh, please, it's gonna be okay. okay. It's gonna okay. be okay. <laughs> Tribal people licking toes is all I was talking about. Gosh. <laughs> Other than that, I don't have anything pressing to do while we wait for the librarian. Well, Miss Flannery pulls out this big tome, and at one point in time, she walks by and she sees a font note turned around and grabs him and hands him the the tome. And there are a couple of different sections in that tome that are bookmarked. And then she sees um, Gail over by the the newspaper section, and these uh, Gail's holding up these newspapers to to the light, and she gathers him up, but pulls out a couple of newspapers from the bin and takes them all back over to the front desk and i imagine swifty you've uh, lined out some food on the on the desk as well yes she gets the biggest helping because she is a star oh swifty is this more smoked sausage yes you you gotta lay off you try something different swifty i'm i'm begging you there's also cornmeal <laughs> fried in sausage fat. <laughs> it's, a del- that, it's a delicacy. That sounds delicious, Swifty. And she sort of pushes her plate aside and lays down the tome and lays down the uh, newspaper and then um, goes in the back to, um, to grab a, a few more documents. But uh, the first things first, that tome has a few areas bookmarked and uh, you can open them up and you see a couple of different things on that list that mention some of those 
qualities that you indicated about the eyes and the strength um, and a few of those other details. Um, uh, one is bookmarked ghosts. Another one is uh, bookmarked uh, etrange, uh, which is like a shapeshifter. And then one is, uh, uh, is bookmarked uh, vampire. And you can see that that's like the uh, one that she was uh, definitely saving for you all. And if you open it, you can see that there's uh, um, some details there. And I will read them aloud here. The book says, vampire are mythical monsters that fall under the living category or living dead category of myths. And their most basic myth is that they're a type of undead human who must feast on other humans to survive. Every day that a vampire goes without consuming human flesh, it seems to age a decade and animal blood does not sustain them. But as soon as one gorges itself on human blood again, it returns to its original state, the age at which it died so long ago. So long as it's not starving, a vampire is said to look indistinguishable, indistinguishable from a living human. Vampires are usually viewed as evil, given that they must feast on humans to survive, but some tales treat them as neither evil nor good. They're simply hungry and, in some cases, lonely. Like other living dead, they do not breed. Rather, they make one another. A vampire is born when another vampire administers their blood into the eyes of a recently deceased corpse. As a result, a vampire's eyes are their most lethal weapons, with which they can see in the dark and command the weak-willed as their servant. Upon conversion, a vampire gains immortality so long as they continue to feed on human flesh. They also gain wetted claws and teeth, inhuman strength, and the ability to rebuild or recuperate their body after sustaining wounds. Vampires rarely convert a corpse, and when they do, it's often motivated by loneliness. They commonly travel in pairs as friends or lovers, and their blood bond intensifies their feelings for one another. Some legends describe pairs of vampires who live out eternity with one another. Vampires roost in abandoned buildings when possible, in caves when necessary. They prefer to be near humans whom they prey upon, but more than anything else, they seek shelter from light. Sunlight does not hurt them, but they do not like it. Most prefer to live and hunt in the dark, and they perform a few nesting behaviors besides covering any holes through which light may shine and rigging minor tripwires or traps. They're prone to move from place to place of extreme caution, seeking security, darkness, and food. It's a long paragraph there, or long details, but um, that's what that book says. <clears throat> but does the book mention anything about the method of which they drain the blood? Uh, yep, you know some details in there. Usually they, you know, they'll feast on people's, uh, by biting people's necks and stuff. So, gentlemen, I I see there's a lot of congruencies between this and, and what we've seen. My, my concern is the use of a screwdriver. Wouldn't it imply that the, the vampires would be able to, you know, draw the blood out themselves? Why would you need a screwdriver to puncture the neck? Well, sometimes I eat steak with a spoon. It's just kind of different, you know. That's a wonderful bit of information, although unhelpful in this situation. What I'm saying is maybe he's eating his steak with a spoon instead of the normal using teeth to puncture and drink the blood. He used a screwdriver or she. I, I don't know. But I mean, if you puncture with a screwdriver in the middle of a, 
a not desolate area there were other people around and you had to fight off attackers when would be the time to have drank the blood did he pop a straw down into the neck I, I don't I don't see the logistics working out do you understand yeah, what I'm I saying mean, to me this doesn't sound like a feeding activity seems like know? more of a of a either vengeance Assault. or defense mechanism you know some sort of Someone came too close. And they they were not the target, we don't think. I don't believe so. It doesn't make sense to use a screwdriver to, to draw blood and then not be able to drink it given the time frame. But that weird thing they had going on with the eyes, and it says here that they do something with the eyes to convert. Do you think that might be a byproduct of whatever they do? But it sounds like it's a deliberate act. So did they have the time to put blood in their eyes in the in this moment? It sounds well, like some, from what the maid said, they just it fled immediately, right, Mr. Fontenot? That that is what the maid said while she was able to to speak between the sobbing. Um the uh but I, I can I can tell you I looked deep into the eyes of the corpse there and I saw no evidence that anybody had tried to put blood into the eyes. So I'm a little there were many uh, I think the word you used was congruencies. Uh, I'm gonna try to work that word into my vocabulary a little more often. That was very uh, I, I like that word. There were a lot there, but there are some inconsistencies. For instance, why would a vampire, as you so rightly pointed out, need to use a screwdriver to kill somebody? And why do these bodies have those weird, unclosable eyes and huge pupils if there was not an attempt to put blood into them and convert them into something? And as to the, well, maybe this was an assault rather than a feeding, according to his book, They've got to consume human flesh on, on a daily basis or age 10 years for the lack of having done so. Why would you pass? I mean, it's like walking by a sausage without taking a slice. Maybe you can understand that there, Swifty. And Gail, um, I mean, it seems like while I'm here, I might as well keep 10 years off my life. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, there are some inconsistencies in the congruency of the vampire reading to our current situation. I feel as though we are missing some sort of um, either motive or circumstance that caused whatever this creature was, if it was a vampire, to act in such a strange way. It also doesn't make sense to me to have such powerful claws and, and, and you know, pure strength and be able to, you know, manhandle a man and crush his bones, but you need a screwdriver to puncture a neck. It's one of the softest parts of the human body. A simple claw could have done the same. The screwdriver seems to be putting quite a <clears throat> few questions that we are currently unable to answer. You know, there's another bookmark in this tome here, and uh, uh, I just I think maybe we ought to to take a look at it. it I've, an orange or something of that nature. Yeah, the, sh the shapeshifters. Mm -hmm. Well, now consider this. If I was just in a regular old human shape, a screwdriver might be a good implement by which to kill somebody who was meaning me harm. 
And if in the middle of that I was to shape shift into something with, say, powerful grip and claws, well, that would make some sense on how we are seeing both uh, a feral animalistic attack mode and a simple man's got a screwdriver, puts it in your neck kind of attack mode. Why don't we read this section as well? Oh, certainly. Yeah. So for the Etrange, um, let me pull up the book here. Ain't nobody going to make fun of me for calling it an orange? (laughs) (laughs) Etrange. It's a difficult word. Chicken all orange. (laughs) So you look up this section and uh, it says, at birth, every Etrange appears the same. Uh, Blank canvas of a small humanoid, sexless, hairless, noseless, until it takes its first form. They live almost entirely in the appearances of their prey, humans. Sometimes it may abandon its prey in a permanent comatose state, taking on their identity. At other times, they take a specific human form to cause mischief. They naturally excel at imitating voices and musical performance. However, their knowledge of regional dialects and other languages are usually limited to one or two, and more than one imposter has been uncovered in this way. The most certain way to distinguish an etrange from another human is the elongated pinky finger on its dominant hand. Gail. Uh, there's one more bit here. Sorry. Gail, Unlike you... the... Sorry, go ahead. All right. Unlike their undead cousin, the vampire, an etrange does not feast on the flesh of humans. Instead, it feasts on their heightened emotions. Laughter is intoxicating for an etrange, but not very filling. Fear is delicious, and anger is a savory appetizer. But pain and suffering are what sustain the fiend. It uses their form to access these emotions, and some are even known to take a human's form just to visit them at night and feast on their distress. Gail, do you remember what those handprints looked like? Did one of them have a long pinky? Could I make a roll on that? Uh, you rolled a nat 20, I think, on your survive mm-hmm. roll. So I'm going to say, uh, as you think back, you actually think, yeah, that pinky finger was a little unusual. Uh, maybe a bit longer than what you're accustomed to. It was definitely a little bit odd, Swifty. I... I would have to maybe go back and take a closer look to confirm, but it did seem like it might have been a little bit longer. But well, still doesn't explain the eyes. Or the claws. Well, now the eyes could be explained by, you know, the etrange feasts upon the fear of somebody else. So their faces could have been stuck in in fear. That would explain the dialed pupils. Wait, what if this etrange, in order to get the maximum delicious fear, because we all love deliciousness around here, in order to get the maximum delicious fear, met a vampire and said, hey, maybe I could transform into that. Well, no, that's just scary. It would have the claws. Mind blown. That's... Right, I was thinking if maybe it would, or if not, like, it thought that 
turning into a vampire would be scary, but maybe it's trying to cover its tracks and make it look like vampires. That's a good idea, too. And the puncture wounds were meant to, to simulate. simulate fangs. Well, that's very smart there. And there would have so been it's... quite a bit of distress. I mean, given the power that we've seen it uh, demonstrate, I feel as though it could have probably slaughtered everyone in the household. Easily. But it's much right, more tasty it, to leave several alive and in absolute terror of their existence. And it seems like Mr. King has been stalked for some time, so... Living in fear. Right. Feeling lust towards a woman. I don't know if that's their food or not. But maybe. Could be. Man's gotta eat. But uh, he's, <laughs> he's definitely think? gotten paranoid over the last few days, convinced that somebody is following him, wanting to kill him. So it's probably a nice slow-cooked meal for an astral, one of them orange things. <laughs> for an orange fellow. Right. A shapeshift. Yes, you so, know, that's much easier to say. I think I'll just stick with that. Mm, certainly. So Swifty's mind is going to the fact that Mr. King does seem to have an unlikely friendship with this actress and is wondering if maybe she's the shapeshifter and she has been putting him in the slow cooker for lack of a better term are you voicing that to us right now yes yes swifty swifty only thinks out loud does he think in the third person too he's just sitting there he's like swifty thinks (laughs) swifty thinks this come to think of it swifty didn't it say something about performance musical performance i think it said but it did Maybe some of these theater jobs are musicals. Honestly, if, you, if you're feeding off the emotions of other theaters, the place to do it. It's right. little snacks, little edgy Be up there on the stage, a thousand people in the audience being awe-inspired or scared or angry or whatever at what your character does. It must just be intoxicating. I like where you're going with this, Swifty. So, Swifty, do... Are we able to, would we be able to find anything about this actress here or would we need to go somewhere else? Well, uh, Miss Washington had brought over a stack of newspapers that uh, she saw Gail looking at and she had disappeared in the back. She comes out front with some more newspapers and she said, Let's, it sounded like uh, you were looking to find out some more information about recent crimes and I pulled out all the local newspapers, uh, the New Orleans Bell um, here, and just to let you browse through some of these headlines here, um, I'll help you. What what are you looking for? Um, Uh, Info on the actress and then whatever anybody else. Strange murders, strange disappearances. Maybe they wouldn't even have to be strange, just unsolved. Unaccounted for murders, disappearances. Because the only reason we're really looking into this one so much is because it was strange. And it was targeting a rich guy, kind of. So, um, Fontenot, why don't you also give me a research role here, since you're so unaccustomed to research. Fontenot is seriously considering placing his jacks upon the jailhouse. 
That would be a 10. Okay. Um, so, Fonno, you're looking through. You can't find uh, too much stuff about the actress, about uh, Miss Marguerite Lynn, um, except, you know, she just some basic things. You know, she's this really uh, popular performer who got her big hit as uh, playing uh, sort of the love interest of this major character um, in a recent or relatively recent play within the last year or so. Um, she's got this new performance coming up for the black uh, called the black dog, which everyone's really excited about. So you find some pretty basic information about her, but she's sort of like the new biggest, uh, name on the stage. Does it say where uh, she's then, from? It does not say where she's, uh, where she's from. And then Miss Washington also makes a research role here. And, uh, she uh, is able to pull out a couple of newspapers for you. She finds some uh, headlines about crime. Um, there's a ton in the city. Uh, some of them are just listed, many of the things you've heard about. But as she's sort of reading through them and identifying what she found, some of them stick out to you. Um, some of the depots in the dock district are mentioned uh, more than a few times. Common area for squatting, graffiti, drugs, and then a few missing people have gone missing in the area. Um, most recent article actually lists uh, three people who have gone missing over by the several grain depots in the docks district. A child named Byron Hiller, um, who's uh, 12 years old, and uh, went missing over there one night. A woman named Wendy Castle, um, who was 42, and a man, Jean-Pierre Bisset, uh, age 65. The there... cases do not appear to be connected to one another, except that they occurred in the same area and, and their bodies were, or they were never found. The people were never found. Are there pictures of those people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's some loose drawings of these uh, uh, of these people, just um, some sketches. Um, yeah, the, uh, Does the do any of them look like the actress? Uh, no, none of the you know the the actress has this remarkable uh, beauty, and um, and the child, the woman, and the man are all pretty nondescript. I would say. Okay, just a thought. Do any of the names, uh, I think it was Byron Hiller, Wendy Castle, and Jean-Pierre Bisset, do any of those family names stand out as either prominent or historic family names? Um, off the top of your head, no. Okay. Uh, nothing big there. Are you guys done with the newspapers? I had one more question about the uh, the tome, but I didn't want to get us off track. Um, in the tome that we were looking at, for either entry for the vampires or the shapeshifters, does it list a method of dispatching them? Can you clarify what you mean? 
How do I kill things? Uh, ah. gotcha. <laughs> uh, How do I do damage? Damage, if you will. I just wonder, because a lot of times with these folklores, it's like, you know, steak to the heart, silver bullet, blah, 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 garlic, that mm-hmm. kind of shit. Yeah. Under the vampire section, uh, it has a, sm- uh, a short known there, which says supposedly wouldn't steak to heart. It's what would kill a vampire, but... Uh, and, uh, but they can definitely be killed by other means is what it, uh, is what it says, saying that the stake to the heart is sort of a myth. Gotcha. And under the Etrange section, um, it doesn't list anything uh, in particular about how to kill an Etrange. Okay. But one assumes that one has to do damage to the Etrange. Damage yes, to the Etrange. <laughs> Not damage, damage. Damage. I got to deal with the flair. Right, damage immunity, <laughs> damage weakness. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> okay. Well, this has been very fruitful, and I feel we have some good leads. Um, did Mr. King indeed get us tickets to this performance? You haven't checked in with them yet, but the performance would be tomorrow night. So it seems like there's a couple things that are definitely pointing us towards this young actress, right? But it also seems there are some things pointing us towards the the depot in, in Doc's mm-hmm. district, right? Three other folks have gone missing there. He uh, owns a company that is building there on those premises. So we could go check out the depots. The grain depot, I believe, is where near where the the three we just read about were were at when they went missing. Um, we could check that area out. Uh, Didn't your book have their names in it as well? Your your guide to backwater had the names of. I feel like it was more than three missing people, but I might be wrong. There was a, it it had like 65 male, something female. Marginalia. Yeah, we had a note of crimes, trespassing, missing people. A bot, oh my goodness, there's the same name again, Wendy Castle. Byron, how could I not have noticed that? Byron Heller and Jean-Pierre, right there. So it was those three. It was written. I I feel as if maybe I should have you carry the book for me, sir. (laughs) I'm I'm not worthy at this point. But... uh, I'm also my my other thought is I'm also remembering that wasn't one of the posters from the actress to Mr. King signed as like this is the last time or something like that. It was. I have no idea what that means, but you know at the at the moment I took it to mean this is the last time I sign a, a picture for you. I, I have come to believe that the the romantic relationship between Mr. King and the actress is entirely upon Mr. King's uh, fantasies that he is uh, 
built it up in his head to be more than it is, where she has politely signed something for a, a patron of the arts, and she's getting a little tired of him. Or if we believe that he that she is an étrange, that maybe this is part of a psychological manipulation to make him upset or desperate or something. The slow cooker theory again, yes. The slow cooker theory. No, well, I think there's something to so that. So there's air frying and there's slow cooking. Episode two title: <laughs> Slow Cooking. Episode one. Sausage sausage. Sausage. <laughs> yes, sausage. <laughs> no. yes. <laughs> yes. Did you already so name episode Swifty. one? He what did. Did you name sausage party? We never sausage a sock. We never sausage a sock. <laughs> nice. I'm thinking Swifty would like to send a runner or or visit King again to see if he's got tickets, and then I would move that we head down to the grain depot tonight because the show is tomorrow. I agree. I'm a little fast. How much time would I lose with them at the Grain Depot if I were to run? Mm -hmm. uh, you could probably catch up to them. You know the city well and all that, too. So um, you could probably split off, check in with uh, at, at King Manor, and then um, meet up to them over at the, at the depots. Is Although there, it's late at night, if that matters at all for you guys. I could probably run back to see Mr. King, and if there were anything y'all wanted to ask him follow-up-wise as far as what we found out since we left him. Well, I don't really like the idea of confronting something at night. So Swifty would suggest a good night's rest, a sound breakfast, and then... We check in with King in the morning and then go to the depot and then to the theater. Uh, now that you mention it, I am, I am feeling a bit worn. Um, that's not such a bad idea. You think maybe one of us might want to keep watch over the King Manor and make sure that nobody stops in for a little screwing around, if you know what I mean? I think that's a very good idea. Well, you know, I noticed that the garage at the place was mighty roomy. I could just make myself a little pallet upon the floor there. I'll accompany you, and uh, we can take a shift. One of us will sleep a couple of hours, and the other one will watch. Yeah, we kill two birds with one stone, and we get a good night's rest, but we are also keeping an eye on our charge. Sounds good to me. Is there anything mechanically that would impact that? Well, if there's a car in the garage. <laughs> Did you have to roll to see who's Big Spoon? <laughs> we do not have to roll. It is definitely my wish to be the Big Spoon. I'm going to roll to threaten. <laughs> I'm the Big Spoon. I still want to pass by your great screwdriver joke. Uh, earlier <laughs> that, pun. that was... No, we aren't going to be screwing around. No, we're screwing around. <laughs> is that a screwdriver in your pocket? Yes. Yes, it is, is actually. in your sock? <laughs> yes, it is. It is, weirdly enough. 
Swifty has got a lot of paperwork to fill out, so he'll probably stay up a little late. But Swifty will... gets first watch. Oh, Swifty's going back to the warden barracks. Oh, okay. As am I. Right. I will not be sleeping well, on a pallet. I guess it's you and I taking guard duty at the king residence. Sounds now, good. Swifty is definitely going to take Annabelle to the side and be like, I do need a second witness on a lot of this. So I hope your signing hand <laughs> is strong. I suppose it would be my pleasure, Swifty. So who takes first watch and who takes second watch at the King Manor? I'll take first watch. Yeah, and um, I think uh, Pogo and I will just curl up. Hopefully, I, he's he can be a bit of the anxious sort, so hopefully he'll settle down with me. Pogo, that is not Gale. Would you like for me to leave Bones? He keeps Pogo awful calm. He does. Would you mind? No, I, Bones I would love Bones to come Bones would be out. more useful here than Certainly. on the dusty floor at the barracks. Yeah, and Bones is very well mannered, so he can stay with you. He'll mind you. Oh, I'm hoping some of that will rub off on Pogo. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike A man can dream. Right. All right, so uh, Gail's taking the first watch, um, and I'll be laying down. The dogs will be doing what the dogs will be doing. Uh, so, Gail, the first part of the night is pretty uneventful. It's already late, so um, as you're sort of sitting there, it's gotten late enough where it's quieting down on the streets. and uh, You don't really see any activity, and... Uh, um, Fontenot, go ahead and make me a vigilance roll. That's a 1d20 plus your vigilance modifier, a little number. That would be a five. <laughs> it's the research Dice all jail. over again. Dice jam. Right. Hell. Would he possibly get an assist from Pogo? Well, Bones came along and there's such a calming effect on Pogo that Pogo fell asleep. And I'm guessing this is the first night in a long time that Fontenot gets a little peace and quiet with Pogo asleep. Yeah. Yeah, I am out like a log. Fontenot, as you uh, cuddle up with the two dogs on the pallet, um, your eyes slowly close, and when they open, you notice that at the front door, there's a little kid knocking at the, um, using the, the knockers to get inside King Manor early in the morning. The door is open, and the butler, Bo Preston, the footman, I should say, opens the door and takes something from the little kid's hands. And then the, gives the kid some coin and closes the door. And this was at the front door? This is the front door. Okay, so the child is still on the outside then. He, he delivered He's, uh, something? starting okay. to walk away, yeah. Right, um, so I'm going to go out and um, 
approached the the child. Uh, excuse me, young man. Uh, I am Fontenot, a warden in these parts, so um, I was wondering if you might tell me your name, please. Is this your dog? This is uh, my dog, Pogo, and he as well would like to know your name, please. Can I pet him? Well, most people don't find that advice. Well, I've never seen Pogo react like this. So, yes, please, uh, pet him. He is being unnaturally docile at the Uh, moment. Good boy, one would say. (laughs) Oh, my. Jury's still out on that part, but let's see how this goes. Um, He pets the dog, and Pogo's being a real good boy. Um, Has anyone ever told you you smell like sausage? (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know if this is allowed. I I didn't. There's some parts of the rule book that I haven't quite got a grasp on, but. Is it possible to give the game master an adrenaline point? <laughs> yeah. That will that not Yes. <laughs> I think you deserve one for that. Uh, yes, uh, I'm afraid we've had a a bit of a, a time with the smoked meats uh, over the last day or so. Hey, I couldn't help but notice, young Mr. I'm sorry, what was your name again? Oh, uh, you can just call me Teddy, but my name's Phil. <laughs> Um, everyone, else, everyone else calls me Gooseberry. <laughs> well, I'm like glad Morty you're all meeting Asa's orphan voice. Well, <laughs> it sounds like Morty from Rick and Morty. <laughs> well, uh, Theodore Philip uh, Gooseberry it is uh, the third. <laughs> it's very nice to make your acquaintance. Uh, I couldn't help but notice that you had a bit of business with the king household there. Um, oh, yeah. It looked like it went well for you. You must have gotten two, maybe even three coin from that man up there. What's it to you? Oh, none. I'm just impressed that such an enterprising young man uh, that, uh, oh, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I, I got into the warden job for, you know, in the hopes of making my my wealth in this world. And it is surprisingly not a very well-paying job. So I'm just wondering, what is it that you're on to that, you know, delivering things and making coin like that? You know, maybe that would be something I might be interested in as I search for a better occupation in this world. Well, that's- my father, uh, Teddy Phil Gooseberry the Second, always said, "Sucks to be a sucker." <laughs> well, uh, this kid's savage. Theodore Philip, uh, you take re- you lose some resolve points. Uh, I believe I've just been insulted. Shaking in his boots, but the, the really insulting part is I'm not sure whether or not I've been insulted. Uh, so, uh. Yeah, my son, what, did, uh, what was your business with the household? I am oh. being, uh, I am on retainer for Mr. King, and my job is to protect his premises. So um, why don't you just tell me what is your business here? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Warden, uh, well, I was just uh, helping out. They uh, asked me to uh, run on over to um, to the Western Theater and pick up a couple of tickets. Uh um, they said, you know, Mr. King went to buy him, but it's 
courtesy of Miss Marguerite Lynn. Oh, well, well, you are, you know, we had a little rough patch there in the middle, son, but I can tell you are indeed a fine young man. Um, so, uh, have you ever met this Miss Wynn before? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I thought it was courtesy of her. Maybe she handed them directly to you. No, I, I went there up to the front desk, and they uh, told them I was there for Mr. Hamilton King. And uh, they said, well, good for you. We got these tickets. So, anyway. <laughs> well, uh, have have you seen her show? I hear it is all rage. No, I haven't. <laughs> Well, with all that coin you're making, perhaps you will buy a ticket. And the next time we meet, you can tell me about how well she uh, trods the boards. That's very Shakespearean. I'll be honest with you, son. I read it in a book just yesterday, and I'm trying to introduce some bigger and better words into uh, my vocabulary. Uh, for instance, yesterday I learned the word, oh, damn, I forgot it. <laughs> Congruencies. Started with the C, young man, but uh, I don't know. It will come to me some other time. But, uh, hey, uh, thank you very much for your service to Mr. King, and I hope you could appreciate the fact that I'm just doing my job here and keeping him safe. Well, I've got a little, uh, i got something else for you. If you can, you know, spare a couple coin. I'm, I'm hawking back to a sucker's gonna suck comment. <laughs> um, yeah, what, what what is it that you got there, son? <clears throat> you are a shrewd businessman. <laughs> How about this? You said a couple, so therefore I interpret two. I shall place one upon your palm now, and based on the quality of what you have for me, we'll determine whether or not you earn the second coin. Wow. If you're not interested, I can, you know, I don't need to tell it. This kid is tough. This kid's All going right. places. Right. So, <laughs> like, I'm so pissed off, I almost fell into a cockney accident. You almost got there. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he know you pissed him off? <laughs> Turns out this whole Southern gentleman was all an act. This guy. <laughs> right, you little fucker. <laughs> Put on the right hat for it. <laughs> He's got to get the right hat. Right, you little fucker. <laughs> I just so happen to be lucky enough to have that sitting nearby. Um, all right, you, damn it! You you drive a hard buck. I cannot do it. <laughs> I place two coins in his hand. <laughs> so he he gestures you to bend your head down. He goes to like whisper. A fool is quickly parted from his money, and then he winks at you and walks away. <laughs> Listen, you were asking if there are important families in the books. Like, That's you need the, the one. Chronicle of the Gooseberries. The Gooseberries. <laughs> Theodore Philip Gooseberry is now the third 
has made his own special page upon my notebook. <laughs> Enemy number one. <laughs> right next to things I may have heard of is a page called People I Shall Be uh, Visiting My Retribution Upon. <laughs> He might be the third, but he's going to be the say, He is going to be the first, second, and third person I visit my retribution about. <laughs> I was say, Fontenot ever mentions this little child, Swifty's got an entire file on this kid. I love like, this kid, but Fontenot it does not, and is looking around quickly to see, uh, well, to, to verify that, that Gail saw nothing of that interaction. I have a feeling that Gail, Gail like was involved heavily in training this kid at some point. So he would have been like, "Hey, Goosey, my friend, my friend Goosey." <laughs> oh my god! She got played like a cheap. I did. He slapped me so hard he knocked me out of my accent. <laughs> <laughs> this kid was great. All right, so I'm gonna. Uh, I'm going to spare myself the embarrassment of trying to chase down this child um, and then uh, go hunt down uh, Gail who, and, and just let him know that the, the tickets have been delivered. They are now in the possession of Mr. King. My uh, stalwart investigative skills have determined this. I think if you'd go and knock upon the door now, you'll find that the tickets are there. And we can uh, get about our duties on this fine but very early day. I'm going to flip on over to Annabelle and Swifty, who uh, were up late in the night, signing away, getting some hand cramps here. What's going on over at the warden quarters? <clears throat> Swifty is on his third stress ball. <laughs> just like he's worn two of them out. So, uh, Swifty, probably... I don't care how much you ask me. I am not getting certified as a notary republic. I'm just not doing it. It's not in my repertoire. It is not that complicated. I mean, you just have to fill out some more forms. <laughs> Swifty, I'm about. <laughs> I've about had it with you in these forms. A lot of people say that. Then maybe take it to heart. Look, I'm going. I'm going to bed. It is late. Um, you can do with what you like with these forms. You can shove them for all I care. I am done, and I'm going to head to bed. Um, okay. Well, thank you for your assistance. Mm. So, I don't have anything really um, that I need to do between now and meeting back up with the other two. The Swifty does. I mean, Swifty no doesn't know when to take a hint, but does, and so he'll he'll do the stuff that he can do himself, and then um, he'll turn in. But he will definitely wake up before Annabelle and be like her morning wake up call, like "Good morning," with a list of pros and cons for becoming a notary. Right, he's like, <laughs> listen. I talked to my friend Jeb over at the town clerk's office, mm -hmm. all right? And he said that we could expedite your process and we'd only need to fill out the expedited uh, notary request form, which is actually only two pages and only requires box checking and one signature, as well as a hefty donation of coin. Swifty, have you ever found leeches in your bed? Yes. <laughs> Would you like to experience it again? 
No. Then I suggest you let go of the notary republic. Okay. I mean, I it's just an idea. It would make it would make things a lot easier. Mm. Are you ready? All of my friends are officials. I just want to. I'm officially over the the paperwork. Are you ready to return to our friends? Yes. Well then. And Swifty looks the same as you saw him before, like uniform, crisp, little hat on. He's got his bow and arrow slung over him, all kitted out, ready to go. Just a picture perfect warden. I'm going to button up my uniform, but I'm going to button it off one button and refuse to fix it. (laughs) Swifty's eye twitches, but he's going to let it go because he knows he's pushed a little hard this morning and last night. I'm only like it completely just off by one button all day long. Just to mess with Swifty. I just like to point out, I I love that description of Swifty and his the crispness of his clothes and the bow and arrow. And in my mind, you just described a Terry Pratchett character. So uh, funny story. Swifty is actually based on carrot. Yeah. Well, there you from, go. from the disc world. Anyway. I've, re- I've read one book at the suggestion of my oldest daughter and loved it, but uh, just well, very uh, reminiscent of his character descriptions. Now I know what to send Rick for a certain holiday gift. There we go. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You, like you can send it by messenger to Theodore Philip. <laughs> Gooseberry. Yeah, the little Thunder. bastard will steal it. <laughs> Do you want to meet up at King Manor or those construction sites? What was your plan? Um, uh, I guess King Manor. Okay. Yeah, so you uh, walk uh, through the city streets over to oh. King Manor. You can smell the beignets baking. Yes. Dang it. I was just going to ask if I can buy beignets for us. Yeah. <laughs> as, so a, as an ap- in, in newspaper. As an apology for annoying Annabelle with all of the paperwork, I'm, I'm getting us breakfast. Yeah, they're wrapped in some newspaper, and uh, you all walk over to King Manor. Um, it's pretty quiet out, um, shaping up to be a pretty hot day, um, though you can sort of feel it in the air. And when you arrive, uh, yeah, you can see uh, Fontenot looking in his coin purse a little sadly. Um, Gail eating some sausage over at King Manor. I specifically got Gail a, a sausage beignet. Ugh, that is oh, a terrible damn. idea. Yes. Will Gail eat it? Also, yes. <laughs> yes, she will. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. How was your evening? Sleep well? It was uh, mostly uneventful. I can report that the tickets have been delivered to the King Manor by courier sent directly from the theater uh, at the behest of Miss what's her name? Miss Lynn? Marguerite. Marguerite, yes. That seems congruent. Congruent. (laughs) Well, that seems rather strange. How would she have known we were looking to get tickets? Well, apparently 
The King household had sent word to the theatre that Mr. King was prepared to buy some tickets, but then they were provided by Miss Marguerite, comped, as you might say, and sent over on her behalf. Well, now that does poke some small holes in our, our theories. No expense yet. was spared in transporting the tickets. A gentleman about six foot tall, well apportioned and, and uh, decked out, had arrived early this morning to deliver those tickets. Uh, after some amount of uh, cajoling on my part, because he felt like he had some fiduciary or secret duty to the theater, but I uh, was eventually able to extract the information from him before he went upon his way. Well, well done, uh, Mr. Fontenot. Um, it just seems strange. We we had believed that uh, Miss Marguerite is uh, maybe tired or maybe not interested in Mr. King, but if she's sending complimentary tickets to the show... Well, we had also surmised that maybe she was doing the slow burn, in which case keeping Mr. King strong along would would satisfy that. But in any event, there was all, at this point, theories we were basing on scant evidence that we would have to support with additional evidence. So we shall see where it goes. Mm. Have you already collected the tickets from Mr. King? I have not. Would you like for me to go collect? I think that would be best. I was avoiding the door as it may have been opened by the maid. Ah. Well, I will go over to the house and knock with the knocker. <clears throat> the footman opens the door. And ah, Mr. Preston. Ah, Miss Annabelle, Miss Crossley. Uh, we I've come to uh, see about some tickets to the show that we, Mr. King was going to try to acquire for us. Hmm. Yes, Mr. King is very excited. Um, Miss Lynn has asked him to stop by her uh, dressing room before the show. Uh, and he hands you a couple of tickets. Oh, well, very good for Mr. King, um, I suppose. Will he be um, sitting with us? Are these, you know, uh, numbered tickets or is it open seating types? Just to be sure that my gentleman friend here don't uh, mm -hmm. show... I'm Poor sorry, man. but he'll be he'll be in his box. Um, these are general, general admission. admission. Yes, certainly, I do understand. Well, do give Mr. King our best and let him know we are um, on the case and making good headway, and we we hope to have some answers for him quite soon. While she is walking up there, I'm going to uh, <clears throat> excuse myself from the gentleman and. I'll be right back, y'all. I got to go to the loo, and I'm going to walk back into the woods a little bit, but deliberately passing over the crime scene from earlier. And with my newfound knowledge, I'm going to try to see if the blood looks like the amount of blood you'd expect from somebody getting shanked in the neck. Yeah, and there are two sort of blood pools a little bit fainter now. It's been almost three days here, and um, but you can tell that there was a lot of blood. Um, okay. it, it matches up um, uh, based off your general knowledge of what you'd expect. Then I'll do my business in return. I'm going to congratulate Fontenot on handling that uh, theater agent well. That's 
sounds like he took the lessons of the other day to heart in interrogation and did a good job. The gentleman, though uh, obviously intimidated to just the right point, never at one point shed a tear. I was I was quite uh, um, satisfied with the way I comported myself during the whole encounter. Well, it sounds like you got some important information, so well done. And you'll have tickets to the show tonight. Which I am very excited about. I'll return back. All right, gentlemen. Is she holding two tickets? Uh, she has four tickets. Okay. Uh, something that was said earlier, I thought there may only be two, and we we're going to have a draw straws here. All right. Well, we've got some time on our hands before the show starts. Um, Down to the depots? We'll, we'll, uh, to the depots? Mr. King be be uh, attending the 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 show with us this evening. He will apparently. Miss Lynn has invited him to her dressing room prior to the show, and he will be attending in his own box. We will be sitting in general admission. So, y'all reckon we might want to uh, somehow find our way, maybe adjacent to a door. That he might be behind. Because we have had yeah. our suspicions about this little lady. And uh, if we're being hired to protect him. Oh, you're talking about at the theater. At the theater. I, I thought we were going up to the house and trying to figure out which door he was behind. Um, I think you're right. And we should get there a little early so that we can see how the comings and goings uh, proceed as he visits her in the dressing room. We can still we stop by the... Depot first, but oh, we have hours before the showing. Um, Swifty, cover your ears, darling. You're not going to like what I'm about to say, but we might be able to tell him that uh, down at the depot today we found some very disturbing evidence, meaning he needs constant supervision by a warden. Oh, you just want to lie? That's fine. Okay, I wasn't sure how you'd feel about it, Swifty. It, such an upstanding. No, gentleman. I've read this part of the book. It is absolutely permitted for a warden to lie. Provided the appropriate paperwork is filled out. Just saying, right. if we find some kind of evidence that would suggest he needs constant. That is a ruse that just may be a benefit. But with this this level of line here, we may need to go find ourselves a notary Republican. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, Swifty knows several notary Republicans <laughs> and one notary Democrat. Not, not one. Yeah, I mean, it's totally fine. I mean, so the options are we find something and we can present that as evidence, which is fine, because I, I don't think he can be alone with this lady. Or two, we don't find evidence, but we say we did. And then we make sure he's not alone with this lady. Perfect. Wonderful. So let's head down to Depot and see if we find some actual evidence, and if not, something enough to which to falsify it. I mean, exaggerate. The depot. truth is like a willow. You can bend it. Just don't break it. Exactly. All right. So it was the no. grain depot that we need to go to. Is that correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. You all uh, walk um, from the French Quarter, from King, uh, from King Manor, down to the Docks District again, where 
you go up by the riverside and um, there are lots of old and sort of rundown buildings over here. And when you get to the uh, construction sites where the depots are located, they begin on an empty lot and they spread eastward along the river toward a group of uh, abandoned depots. Uh, there seems to be a new building that's being erected here on, on the bank of the Mississippi um, where ships and barges from uh, upstream might uh, check in. Uh, there are a number of sort of tents set up outside the construction site and you see one man standing there as a number of what appears to be construction workers actually um, are vacating the site uh, early in the morning. They appear to be leaving as if their work for the day is done. Well, that seems odd, doesn't it? That uh, they'd be leaving so soon. Maybe they had a night shift. Yeah, I was going to say, is there another shift coming on? Nope, you just see him leaving. Hmm. But there is a foreman-looking individual. Mm -hmm. And he... Uh, as you guys get a little bit closer, he's looking pretty upset. So Swifty will approach, give his Crispus Warden salute and say, Warden's here to investigate something going on. Um, sorry, sir. It's just business and uh, it's not going well. Uh, we are very behind here, so... If you don't mind, he starts to turn around and head into one of the larger tents that's set up outside. I'm going to lean over to Annabelle and be like, why's he saying we? Has he got a mouse in his pocket? Well, I'm more concerned about how he's going to say he's behind, but he's sending all the workers home. That's what I'm saying. As he turns around, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to mention that we're working for Mr. King and that we have a couple questions. <clears throat> um... Uh, yes, Warden. Uh, how can I help you? And then Swifty, having fulfilled his duty of introducing and being just ever so slightly intimidating, looks to the rest of the group. And we all look to Annabelle. Um, Mr. Foreman, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. <clears throat> uh, my name is uh, Hiller. Uh, you can call me uh, Andrew Hiller. Andrew, um, I'm Annabelle Crossley. Uh, so, I, just a point of clarification before we get into the questions. Um, you said you're behind, yet your workers seem to be going home for the day. Is something preventing them from working, and that's what's causing you to fall behind? Or uh, just, it seems a little odd. Mm. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, uh, we're sort of waiting on one person here. Uh, points over at... The depots that are still standing, there's one that seems to have been recently uh, demolished um, over there. But he points to the ones that are still standing. He says our, uh, our demo or our demo tech uh, hasn't showed up for work a third day in a row. We uh, you know, have been waiting a little bit. Uh, so I just start on the frame over here in the meantime, uh, but he still hasn't showing up so we need to find somebody else to do the job so that we can keep up with the work uh, if we can't tear these down we can't finish building out the site um and who is your your demolition tech uh 
Nash. Uh, Nash. Abner Nash. Has, has he been accounted for? Is he just not coming to work? Or is he... I mean, I'm not too surprised. Uh, he's not here. Uh, he's he's done this before. He's, you know, prone to the drink. Uh, hmm. Missed out on a couple of jobs here and there. When you say this happened before, we're talking, you know, like a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago. I mean, how frequent is he missing work? It just seems like a poor choice of uh, employment if he can't make it here. Yeah, unfortunately, it just aren't a lot of other people in his line of work who can do what he does. Uh, yeah, he's been with us for, the, for a few years and, you know, every every so often, every few months, you know, it's not like clockwork or anything, but he'll mm -hmm. just be gone for, you know, a day or two and, you know, usually comes back. Uh, this is a longer one. Mm, well, uh Back to the matter at hand. So we've been sent by Mr. King to look into person or persons who may be um, interfering with his day-to-day -day activities. Have you seen any strange activities on the premises? Uh, not much activity going on uh, since we can't get any work done, I'll be honest. But, does, uh, does that include the missing I'm, people? Well, that happened before us, but... Uh, yeah, we did have the weird moment where, you know, Mr. King stopped by after, you know, coming to visit the site. And uh, just as we were all packing up for the day, uh, you know, and our workers weren't too happy anyway with all the oversight. But uh, it's already dark, want to go home to our families. And uh, anyway, um, you know, Mr. King had his first incident. He claimed somebody was following him. Uh, after leaving the site. Did anybody else here happen to notice uh, anybody following Mr. King? Was there any cooperation of his story? Yeah, none of us saw it. Um, you know, to be honest, we just, uh, you know, uh, Mr. King comes and he yells until he's out of breath. And then, uh, um, and then, you know, mm. And then leaves, and I get to deal with unhappy workers. Certainly. Swifty, did you have a question, dear? Yes. Um, was Nash ever employee of the month? Uh, yeah, not once. Um, Does, I don't really think that's on his radar. Was he worst employee of the month? Yeah, surprisingly. <laughs> um, does he have a personnel file we could look at? Mm. Uh, maybe, maybe not a personnel file, but I do have a you know roster of um, workers here. And pulls out a piece of paper, and um, along with a roster of workers, it also has a you know list of the uh, you know there's like folders filled with blueprints, uh, manifest of supplies and resources as well. Um, Certainly, hands you the. Swifty just wants a picture of Nash. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. I, um, I don't have a picture of him, but you'd uh, recognize him uh, pretty, pretty easily. Uh, you know, it's like his face is uh, sort of stuck in a frown, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, he's a pretty tall and lanky fella. Um, sticks out of the crowd pretty easy. Speaking of families, Mr. Hiller, you, uh, you wouldn't happen to be married, would you? Uh, 
Not anymore. I, uh, why, are you, why are you asking? I was just curious. Got any kids? Uh, uh, no. Uh, no? We, we were trying. But. Any nephews, maybe? Or uh, maybe did you have any nephews or kids? No. Uh, no? No? What? Why do you ask? Uh, I, I had a niece. Just, I, I've heard your name before, and I was just curious. Hmm. Yes, one, uh, here it is, 12-year-old child, Brian, Byron, Byron Hiller. Is that any relation to you, sir? Should I reuse the name? <laughs> <laughs> uh, They're spelled sorry. different. No, I'm sorry. One I'm track. looking closer. Mine says Hella, and oh, yours is Hiller. I was confused for a second. I'm sorry, John. That was, that I was, was right there with you. I was like, what is he I'm talking sorry. about? He's dangling this great clue in front of us. I, I was waiting for an opportunity to get in. I thought, okay, go, John. I'm like, where's John going? But, uh, okay. I thought it was just one of those Johnisms where it's just nobody can keep up. It's a common name. It's like Smith or Jones right. in these parts. Well, the truth is, uh, I've got a poster above me, and when I run out of names, I use the <laughs> names of actors on the poster. Nice. <laughs> that's brilliant. So clearly, I that's what I did for inspiration for Byron Hiller. <laughs> it's just spelled differently, that's all. <clears throat> um, Andrew, um, secondary line of questioning here, we're going to move on to something else. Uh, it at your, your your work site here, um, do you have communal tools? Do you have a tool foreman who may uh, keep track of the tools that are available to your associates? Mm -hmm. uh, nobody keeping track here, but yeah, we got a uh, uh, we have a manifest of all our tools and resources, and um, yeah, we we definitely know what tools are ours, and they'll be accounted for at the end of each job. Certainly. So Mr. Swifty will need a copy of that manifest of resources. Oh. Yeah. Um, have you had any sort of uprising from the locals about this construction and demolition? Have you had any um, complaints, any um, outreach of concerned citizens, anything like that? Uh, I think most people have actually been a little happy in the area just because there's been some issues you know before we started uh, doing the construction here issue squatting on the property all that sort of stuff so um i think they're excited for some new to come in and and what are the squatters any issues with the squatters as they are needing to vacate the properties uh we did have uh some squatters and in one of them, uh, but I think we, uh, but I think I think they must have cleared out last time I checked. Um, yeah, and he points at the, so there's a demolished depot, um, and then next door to it, there's uh, there's a few other depots, but the one closest to the demolished depot, he said we had a issue with some squatters in there. Um, but yeah, they were cleared out, and uh, yeah, Abner was. Uh, Supposed to be setting up the building uh, to be demolished next, and um, yeah, just haven't seen him since. When were the when were the squatters cleared out of that building? Oh, that would have been uh, a little over a week ago. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, around the time that uh, we had that issue with uh, Mr. King. But I'm telling you, there's nobody in that building at that Certainly. time. And who was the one who had the squatters removed? Who went in and actually removed them from the building? 
well, they cleared out pretty much on their own, but Abner is the one who made sure that the building was all uh, was all clear. So. Wonderful. Uh, gentlemen, do y'all have any other questions? Uh, just do the, the names Byron Heller, Wendy Castle, or Jean-Pierre Brissette mean anything to you? Uh, I've heard of I, I heard of what happened there, and I'm I'm sad to hear it. But yeah, that was before our our site went up. I know it was in the area. I think that's part of why people are just happy we're coming in. So, to your knowledge, they were they were already listed as missing before you the dem- demolition of this first uh, depot occurred. Yeah, that's correct. I, Probably over the last few months or so, if I, I mean, if I recall. I see. Do you believe they were squatters, uh, uh, the kind that was uh, removed from the other premises, or oh, were these? They, they weren't squatters. No, I, I know they're from the area, and they just happened to be uh, caught out at the wrong time. It sounds like, um, you know, uh, it sounds like they all went missing in the in the evening or night, and uh, yeah. Um, again, in this area, but um, I didn't hear anything about them here at the depots in particular. I see. And does your work ever keep you here uh, into the night, or are you finished with your daily activities on a normal basis um, before the sun sets? Into the evening. I mean, we're not stickler for rules or anything, but sun goes down. That's a... That's a liability. Uh, if anybody's out working a little late, it's usually uh, usually Abner. Um, yeah, and uh, I think he just likes to work a little bit then because there's not so much supervision. Um, he can maybe sneak a drink on the job. I understand. Well, it'd be very nice to talk to this Mr. Nash, but I imagine you feel the same way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I... Do you have an address for him? Uh, yes, I do. It's actually right here on our uh, list of employees. All right, we'll take that along with the manifest for tools. Yeah. That's all the questions I had for this gentleman, unless anybody else had any further pressing questions. Well, Mr. Andrew, do keep yourself available to us. We may come back with more questions as need fits. We will need access to your work site um, for the day. Since you seem yeah. to be going home anyways, I don't see that being a problem. Uh, I'll be on site, but yeah, have at it. Well, we appreciate your cooperation. If we have any other questions, we will be sure to let you know. Yeah. And now we're coming up to time here, but uh, what would you like to check out first here on the site? Um. So on one side we got a recently demolished, but still debris from mm-hmm. it, and then in the other sides are still standing. So I'd like to check out the debris of the recently demolished mm-hmm. um, depot. Yeah. So. Uh, you walk on over to the uh, recently demolished depot and all these are very large buildings with rusted and torn aluminum siding sort of left over from the old world. Uh, there's this dock-like area that used to be on the riverbank 
behind it, which has since eroded away. And um, this, the remains have sort of started be, uh, being cleaned up, you can tell. Um, uh, they've been uh, sifting through them and pushing, uh, pushing them to the side here. Um, and as you uh, are looking at them, one of the things that you notice is that what used to be like a large sliding door, like a barn door, underneath it you find in a half empty bottle of liquor. And that will be where we end tonight's session. I decline. I'm sorry. <laughs> She'd no. like to drink the rest of the bottle. I would of like liquor. to roll. Yeah, <laughs> I'd well, like to roll a drink. That, that is a great, great spot because the bar door and the bottle of liquor just like threw three, four questions into my head, and I'm like, ah, that's where we'll stop. It was the intellectual cliffhanger that got me. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. It was. I had a good um, time. I'm enjoying it. That damn Theodore Philip Gooseberry the third um there will be Revan. there will be a, a follow-on to that particular story hey thanks for for joining us again i'd like to point out for those of you watching now or watching later video on demand that birdie's art nest does incredible work custom made bookmarks keychains bracelets they are wonderful. Uh, the link is in the chat. You ought to go check them out and order you some of that stuff. They're great stocking stuffers. So do that. Uh, one question, maybe two parts, for Asa and Alex. Really enjoying Backwater. Um, looking forward to Back Roads. Um, as you guys explained it to us, you like the thought of taking this post-apocalyptic, but then regional gothic horror thing. So I'm thinking, and, and you know, just throwing these out here for you, that uh, urban gothic horror back alleys, um, suburban gothic horror backyards, <laughs> um, just, you know, toss those around, let them marinate, <laughs> see how they flow. Um, books three, four, five, you know. Yeah. And then there's the back nine, you know, oh. and the back room, <laughs> and the back street, and all them boys. Uh, <laughs> we have spent way too much time. You guys have already been down this road. Back. I thought I was being clever, and this is like, oh, oh no, no, no. <laughs> I did not. I did not think of backyards. I don't think either of them. That's the one. The oh, singular one. <laughs> I like that one. Don't get it all written up. It'll just take a little while. It's going to be May, at least. I, I think For it's going to be <laughs> And boys. It's going to be May. We got to oh. figure out what the what the name of the pet expansion is. That might be Backyards. That's not bad. Yeah, ba oh, that has to be Backyards. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> um, hey, thanks, everybody, for joining us. We're Percentile Vice. We've been joined by the Backwater crew as they lead us through their TTRBG. We're having a blast doing it. I hope you're having fun watching it. 
Go order it. You can find the link in the chat uh, as well. Get in on this. It's really cool. We're loving it. And we will be back not next Tuesday, but the following Tuesday to get back into our backwater adventure. The What was the name of it again? All Kings. (laughs) Yeah, All Kings. All Kings. Which leads me to believe there's somebody else besides Hamilton. Really, my brain went to like chicken a la king, but it was like. A la kings. (laughs) (laughs) That's where my brain went. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. That fucking guy. (laughs) He got fucking owned by a child. I love Asa for that. (laughs) Asa is fucking brilliant.